Um, today, you know, again, is September 11th, and it's today, it's especially since it's fallen uh, today on this Sunday, uh, we really, again, just want to remember, you know, uh, somebody mentioned earlier, you know, it seems like the further you get removed from an event like that, we choose to kind of, you know, okay, yeah, it's September 11th. Um, and while we don't, um, we don't want to dwell in a place, but at the same time, I, I would say with our culture, our Western culture, uh, one of the things I don't know that we do the best is, is kind of deal with sorrow, right? I think a lot of times we try to move past it very quickly. We see it as a, um, a bad thing, which again, it's not, I'm not saying we have to dwell somewhere. Having lived overseas and abroad in other cultures, um, I think they do sometimes a better job giving seasons of, of sorrow, of mourning, right? Because it's good. It's part of what we experience and what we go through as human beings. And, and it's okay. I think that during those times, we have moments of reflection, deep reflection in ourselves and our lives in, in what's going on around us. And so I think during today, while, you know, it, it is a day and, and we're a couple decades removed now, um, it is good to just to pause and, and to remember and to think. And, and again, in a room this size, in a crowd this size, I'm sure there are many people here that were affected different ways, uh, whether it was a, a family member or maybe you knew somebody that knew somebody or even just watching it on the news, right? Even watching it unfold uh, was very striking. Um, and I'm sure everybody, you ask anyone that was alive that day, they remember where they were when they heard the news. It was kind of like, you know, when, when JFK was assassinated or, or these, this, this a tremendous event that affected so many. And so, you know, I remember for myself, I was, on, I was in the military and on my way into work and I was picking up my buddy and he runs out to the car. He's like, you got to come in and see this. And I went in and there on the television, the first building had been struck already. And you're just kind of sitting there watching, sort of like trying to process, because it just seems like it's, you're watching like a Hollywood movie or something, like this can't be really happening. And then that time the second plane hit. And uh, we were down at Fort Hood, Texas, and it, it took us almost, I think, six hours to get on the base, because they were like literally searching every single car that was coming on base. And, um, and just the realness, you know, especially uh, with us being in the military and everything was heightened security at that point, because we didn't know, was there gonna be another attack? Was, what was next? And, and I don't know about you, but it was very a uh, unique feeling because it, it happened here, right? It happened on our soil, so to speak, in the United States. And so I think a lot of people, it was very sobering because we're wondering, like, if they got to that point, I mean, that, you think of the Trade Center, the World Trade Center, and, and what it stood for and how it stood out from that city so much, that they could reach that or they could do that or they could get to the Pentagon, then what else were they capable of? And so it, it really shook a lot of people, and as the scenes continued to roll in, again, we were all flooded with different emotions, maybe, maybe fear, right? Definitely fear, anger sometimes, I think for some, like, you know, we wanna make this right. Uh, uncertainty, all of these things we're processing as we're watching this unfold. It was actually interesting, I, I looked up the statistic and it said uh, 181,510 people in the year that followed the attacks enlisted in the military which was like a record number because, again, people are wanting to respond. They're like, they were wanting to step in and to step up and to, to defend uh, their country. And so as most of us recall, you know, amidst the sadness, amidst the turmoil, there were many amazing stories that came out of that time. You know, again, we, we called people heroes. And these, these people didn't set out that day to be a hero. They just simply saw a need. They, they wanted to help their fellow man, and they jumped in, many of them firefighters, but also just regular people, police officers. People just jumped in, and they were helping one another, right? 
And I'll tell you, you know, there was no, there was no skin color that day, was there? And it was, it was this beautiful image of, of just people helping their neighbor. What can we do to help? And it brought our country together, not just in New York, but all across the country. And, you know, one of the accounts that uh, I came across that I wanted to share, and it's kind of going to set our trajectory for our time together, is that there was a, a firefighter that was sifting through the rubble, and this was happening actually in March of 2002. So, I mean, many months later, because it just was taking time to, to get through. And, and he was part of the crew that was sorting through the rubble, and he came across this amazing site. And I think we have a picture, if we can put it up there. It was actually a Bible that was fused to a chunk of steel because of the heat from the flames and everything that had happened. And it had burned, and then there was just this, this one page was left. And so the firefighter, again, brought this to uh, this, this man that was covering uh, kind of on the news side of things, uh, the story, and trying to collect these artifacts and things to have. And uh, the Bible verse, though, that, that shown on there, um, again, he, it even, he said it was even almost like in a heart shaped. You know, you can kind of see a little bit of that. But the Bible verse, of all the books, chapters, and verses in the Bible, the Bible was open to the book of Matthew, and it was Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And the specific selection titled was titled Retaliation <laughs> in Matthew 5, 38 through 39. And if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there, and, and we're going to just take a, a look at that passage today. Because, again, I, I think, and for myself, too, you know, I think a lot of times we do, we, we want to retaliate for things, right? And I'm not, we'll, we'll unpack this a little more. You know, I, again, I served in the military. I do believe in, you know, protecting and, and standing up for things. But, but sometimes, you know, our, our default mechanism is, is this, again, just to go to this retaliation part. And in, in Matthew 5, in beginning in verse 38, it says this. It says, you have heard that it was said, and again, this is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus speaking. He said, it was said for an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, again, this is, uh, sometimes I read this verse and I'm like, this is a hard one for me, <laughs> right? I mean, I think an eye for an eye seems fair. And so, you know, w w when we look at this and like, Jesus, what, what did he mean? Why was he making a shift here? What was the purpose? I came across this um, this. this story here is kind of funny. It said that a, a mother ran into her bedroom or to the bedroom when she heard her seven-year-old son scream and she found his two-year-old sister pulling his hair. She gently released the little girl's grip and said comfortly to the boy, there, there, she didn't mean it. She doesn't know that it hurts. He nodded his, his acknowledgement and she left the room. As she started down the hall, the little girl screamed. Rushing back in, she asked, what happened? And the little boy replied, she knows now. <laughs> Again, it's, you know, even though that's a young age and that, that happens and probably has happened in many of our homes if you have children, um, it's just within us, right? It's like, well, I'm, I need to respond and I'm going to help you to understand my pain. And so, again, we, we don't have to be taught how to retaliate, do we? 
Again, you look at you know, these young children, you look at children, and it doesn't take long, even at that age, again, something happens, they're going to respond, right? They don't say, oh, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, it happens, it plays out every moment of every day in my house, I feel like. It's just, there is just that response, that retaliation. And so when bad things happen, especially horrific things, like we saw on September 11th, 2001, we want, or we can move quickly to this mindset of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know, they did this to me, so I'm gonna respond in kind, and maybe even some extra, right? Now, again, remember that this passage that we're reading today, this, this portion of scripture is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I mean, it's the moment when he kind of steps out publicly and he's gonna present uh, this sermon that, that, again, has many great parts. The first, of course, is the Beatitudes, which we've uh, preached on and spent time on in the past. He goes, talks about us being salt and light. He d discusses anger. He brings that up. Lust, divorce, and oaths, and so these are all some very big topics, some very emotionally charged topics. And following this part on retaliation that we're going to talk about today, he brings in probably the most challenging thing of loving our enemies. Which again, if you sit here and think about that, like that doesn't even make sense on the surface, does it? it doesn't how would we? How am I supposed to love my enemy? But yet Jesus brings this message. And so, you know, what is he saying here? I mean, are we just to let people get away with everything and anything they do? Just like a free-for-all, and we're just like, oh, well. You know, it's, it's, um, it's something that when we talk about, you know, what Jesus is saying and, and, again, trying to process, and it's easy to say it, I think, but how does it actually play out day-to-day, -day, right? So Jesus here, I mean, he's alluding to, he's reaching back and going back to in Exodus 21, 24 and Deuteronomy 19, 21, and this is, it's about the Old Testament civil law. And that was where this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth came from. And so it's definitely going back to the Old Testament. And the original context here is not speaking about someone's personal response, right? So like how they would respond individually to, to, to uh, someone or to revenge someone. But instead, it's talking about the workings of the law of the court at that time, right? Meaning that the, that would carry out and that was the law. And it was specifically, um, if you study this, it's, it's about men who would actually hit pregnant women, and so as a response to that, it was written into the, the law of that time that this would be the response, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And so, again, there was a very specific reason that it was, it was laid out the way that it was. Um, I appreciated D.A. Carson's, he kind of broke down these verses, and he, he broke it into four, he said there was four illustrations that Jesus uh, presents here to make his point. And today I want to spend just a little bit of time walking through some of those. Uh, and it's, again, it's pretty clear. It's broken down verse by verse. So in verse 39 there, of Matthew, where it says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, again, one of my favorite phrases my lovely wife says, she says, I only have but two cheeks. <laughs> so, you know, you hit, somebody does something and you, you're nice the first time they do it again, you know, then after that, Puerto Rican comes out in her and <laughs> we get the popcorn and kind of watch, no. Um, but, but it's true, you know, because, again, what does that mean, turn the other cheek? And so, you know, a man strikes another on the cheek. And this, is, this would not only be a painful blow, but it would also, in that culture, be a huge insult. All right? Again, you think about it today, okay, a slap, you know, it's, well, at least it's not a punch. But in that culture, again, it would be a, <clears throat> a huge, huge thing. It would be a bad thing and an insult. And it is thought that if the right-handed person were to strike a person on their right cheek, then it would actually be the backhand and considered even more insulting. 
So again, understanding the scripture, understanding the context is critical for us. And this word strikes here, it, it, it refers to or probably refers to this sharp slap. And so instead of seeking, uh, again, reparation under the law, Jesus' disciples were looked or were being taught to endure the insult again. I don't know about you, but I struggle, right? I'm going to be honest, and maybe some of you, to, you know, like, I don't know if I can do that, right? But then I look to the cross, and I look to that scene of the cross as Jesus, even before he got to the cross, when he was being falsely accused, when he was being beaten, and, and you know, you didn't see this retaliation, and it was, you know, it was, it was wrongful, wasn't it? And so, you know, we see this model. We see what he tells us as disciples to do. And again, I'm not saying that it's easy. And we'll unpack this a little more. So if you're not quite there yet, just stay with me, and we'll, we'll open it up a little bit more for you. Uh, in verse 40, he goes on and says, And if anyone would sue you, you take the, your tunic, and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Again, the tunic would be your undergarments. And under Mosaic law, the outer cloak was an inalienable possession, meaning, you know, that was the basic, you, you would not take that from anyone. That was your right to have at least an outer garment, right? And again, he's saying that, you know, if sued for your tunic, which was your undergarment, you also offer this outer garment as well. Now, if you are putting those together and kind of getting that picture in your mind, it, it could get awkward pretty quickly, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, you're not going to see some Jewish person walking around with nothing on, especially in their culture. Today, it's a different story, I think, for us. But, um, you know, that's, that's what it was like back then. And we see very quickly then, because that wouldn't have been the case, that this is a, a purely a hyper, a hyperbolic, and no Jew would go home in just a loincloth, right? And so this is something we have to kind of pause and, and look at and, and understand you know, Jesus is trying to get to something far deeper than what we see on the outside. That's the point that he's trying to make. And we go on to, to the next verse in verse 41. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, during that time, the military would come through, the Roman uh, army would come through. And it was a practice of theirs that they would come into your civilians to carry their luggage and things like that, a prescribed distance, oftentimes one Roman mile. All right? That's what it was called to. That's how it was referred to. And here, again, Jesus is, is, is leaning into that and, and bringing that to the surface. And, and, you know, we see basically someone that's being forced to do something they don't want to. Right? I don't know if you've ever had to walk a long distance with gear and equipment and things like that. I don't know where your adventures have taken you. But, again, especially if it's not your choice, which, again, that's the snapshot of the military. You know, you do a lot of things you don't really want to do, but you have to do. And again, he is, he's dialing in on that, and he's saying, you know, again, if you're being forced into something, and that something would invoke this outrage naturally, he's calling for us to have the attitude that we see in him and his disciples under such, such circumstances that we must not be spiteful or vengeful, but instead helpful. He's saying, okay, don't just go one mile, go two miles. Now, how many are enjoying this message so far, and you're ready to go apply it to every area of your life? <laughs> it's hard, right? I mean, it's, it is not our natural instinct to do these types of things. And isn't that the point, though, what, what Jesus is calling us to? <laughs> if it were easy, we could do it on our own, but it's not. 
And so there are times in our life when things happen, when there's something done wrong to us, and again, we feel that or we sense that response coming up within us in our flesh. And that, that is the moment, in that moment, and sometimes it is a split second that you have to say, Lord, help me. <laughs> help me not to lay hands on this person. I'm not talking about praying for them. Help me not to, to respond the way that I want to respond in this moment. And it's, it, we need him. We need his help. And lastly, in verse 42, he, again, he says, Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And in this final illustration, again, it requires not only an interest-free loan, but a generous spirit. And that's what Jesus is getting at here is that we should be givers and we should be doing so generously. Again, this is not talking about just monetary things, not just talking about money and finances, but it's, you know, our most precious gift we have is our life and our time. And how are we giving that freely, generously? That is the, again, that is what we're looking at. That is the question, and that is kind of the heart. And all four of these illustrations deal with the heart's attitude, right, which is the better form of righteousness. It's, it's, again, the Pharisees had this appearance, the religious leaders of Jesus' time had this appearance of righteousness. But again, if you've spent time in the scripture and you read any of that, it, it tells you that their hearts were far from the Lord. They were hardened. They couldn't even recognize the Messiah when he arrived. And so again, they had this appearance of righteousness, but their, their heart was far from God. You know, we see here, again, in, in these last couple examples, there's no legal recourse to the oppression in the third illustration where the, the military came alongside and said, go, the, go a mile with us, right? You, they, the person couldn't do anything legally, and so, you know, that's one thing that they're getting at. And then the last one, that no harm that, uh, that might lead to retaliation has been done because this person just needs help. Uh, in some sort of way, and, and someone's being invited to offer that. And so where does this leave us? And that's kind of what we've been getting at. That's the question for us. And I think the simple answer may be, and may, uh, simple in the sense of this is the answer, application might be difficult, but it leaves us really to consider what our motivation in every circumstance and situation is. I, I will be honest with you, and... I will tell you that if someone comes to my home and breaks in and intends to do harm to my family, my wanting to protect my family, my standing up to, to defend them is not retaliation to that person at that point. I'm actually moving out of a place of love for my wife and children, right? And so there's a protection and there's something happening. However, there are times when something happens to us when we need, to, we need to pause and we need to definitely question what is our motivation for what we're about to do to this person. And some of you need to hear this today <laughs> because we need to stop because if, if we are just doing something to cause that person harm, to get back at them, you know, to, to make them you know, feel bad, to make them feel like we feel, then that is not the right place that we're supposed to be in. There's been times I've had to do difficult things. There's been times that, that, that even, I know my wife and I have walked through some things with some family members where we had to do some things for the well-being of our immediate family. And it was going to cause problems and issues for somebody that we, you know, didn't like at the moment, but we, we cared about, right? But their actions 
left us with like no other option. And so we knew that we were on the right path in the sense of every step of the way, we're like, we, we don't want this person to, to be hurt or to be affected, but we just want to be able to, to walk this out this way. Does that make sense? I, I don't mean to talk in a lot of code, but you understand what I'm saying? You know, I think when we're walking out those situations and we're looking at it close enough and we're just checking our heart, right? We're just seeing where are we at? It's like, I don't wanna do this, but I'm, I'm, I'm forced to do this. This person is forcing me to step into this place. And so I think in a lot of the situations that we come to in life where we're dealing with this or we're struggling with this or we're in this kind of moment of how do we respond, I think that's the question, you know, are we responding or are we retaliating? Where is my heart in this? Is it, again, is it to, to, to do the right thing? Have I paused? Have I asked God to, Lord, help me walk this out in a way that honors you, not in a way that gets me the most <laughs> for my own glory, right? Life is hard. And it's even harder when we do life in relationship with other people. And if we do life that way, it's always going to come these, these opportunities or these, these moments where we have to kind of walk these types of things out. In Galatians 2, I think it, there's a great snapshot here of, of Paul who writes this, this portion where we see him dealing with some things with Peter. And uh, Galatians 2, uh, verses 11 through 14 and it said, but when Cephas, and that's Peter, came to Antioch, this is what Paul says. He says, I opposed him to his face. <laughs> Remember, Peter was a pretty strong personality. And, you know, Paul wasn't probably too far off either. And, you know, Paul steps in. He says he opposes him to his face. And he goes on, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted uh, hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And listen to this. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, before them all, (laughs) if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, How can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And so again, pause and put this picture in your mind. You know, Paul didn't like say, hey, Peter, let me talk to you for a second here to the side and pull him off and say, hey, man, what are you doing? He broke it down right in front of everybody. (laughs) You know, he probably got up in Peter's face and was, you know, had his finger in there in his face and and calling him out on the carpet. Why? Because, I mean, did, did Paul love Peter? I think it's fair. I mean, he's his brother in Christ, right? Was Peter acting a fool? Yeah, he was wrong. And so again, Paul says, you know, that he opposed them. And it said, you know, Paul could oppose, or another word for this in some translations is resist, right? Which is the same, you know, what we've been talking about today. Um, again, this, this Greek word. And it's, it, he resists Peter to his face because love demanded it in light of the damage being done to what? To the gospel and to the fellow believers, Paul was like, I'm not going to let you continue doing what you're doing because look at the effect that it's having. Look at the damage that it is doing. And so in that moment, he stepped in. Not what? Do you think Paul's heart or his motive, does that come through at all that he was trying to promote himself or embarrass Peter in front of other people? No, I'm sure he, he was sitting there like, I don't want to do this, but you need to be put in line and corrected. And so Paul, again, he steps forward and does that. 
And he does so out of love. And again, I'll just say this too. He opposed him to his face. <laughs> he didn't go you know, behind his back and say, hey, you know, Peter, he's wrong. And that. No, he said, Peter, you're wrong. And Peter was wrong. And so what a great snapshot and what I, I think, you know, what, what we're trying to get at today is there are these moments and how we handle them is critical. What we do in these moments and how we walk that out and, and again, how we choose to either honor God or honor ourselves, it's very important. So as we kind of bring things to, to a close this morning, We want to look at and we want to recognize that this is all pointing to, towards those who might decide to kind of take things in their own hands. Like they've been given the, the freedom to just go ahead and act however they want to and do whatever they want to. Because somehow that something's been done to them and justified them to do that, right? And again, I think we all can end up in that place if we're not careful. It's easy to say, oh, this person or that person but I think if, if we have to always start with ourselves, we have to hold the mirror up in front of ourselves. In Romans chapter 12, again, these are all, these are tough passages in the Bible for me, but I, I think it's definitely something we need to definitely look at and, and, and wrestle with. But Romans 12 verses 14 through 21. It reads, bless those who persecute you. You've probably, most of you have probably heard that before, right? When that person cuts you off in the expressway, right? I'm sure you bless them, right, Chip? Yep. <laughs> we do too. God bless you. <laughs> and your inability to drive your vehicle properly. <laughs> Bless those who persecute. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Here's verse 17. Repay no, evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not become... Oh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, repay no one evil for evil. There's a lot of evil out there in this world. A lot. You know, and I see, you know, I think one of the, I think that some of the greatest loss I feel other than the obvious of, of, of those that, that lost their lives that day is the beauty that came behind, behind September 11th. 
as I mentioned earlier, when our, our country really felt united, where you felt closeness with your, your, you know, your neighbor, with people around you, and you saw people do just really great things and kind things. How does our country look today? And I, I say that, one, to take a hard look at you know, our, ourselves and our country, but also to remind us that we, if left to ourselves, we end up like this, <laughs> right? We're not united, we stand. We're you know, divided, we fall, basically. And, and we see more and more divisions happening every day, it seems like. But I believe, church, that we are called to, to walk according to the word of God, as, as difficult as it may be. And as we walk our lives and we walk out what's in front of us according to what, what God has laid out in his word like this, it has an impact, right? You know, I, I, I've said it often, I'll say it again about this specific body of believers here at Long Grove Community Church. Even through, you know, when, when COVID first happened, happened and again, there was many opportunities for division, wasn't there? And while we all have to have different views at times and, and, and everything else, we still found unity through Christ Jesus. We found unity and, and we walked with one another through that difficult season. And that is my prayer and my hope is that we would continue to walk out all of our days here in the same way as a light to those around us that, you know what, we can walk this out. What you saw on the backside of September 11th, you know, that, that doesn't just have to be in the wake of tragedy. We can walk this out every day if we choose to do so. And this is where I've, I've mentioned before, we have a personal responsibility, don't we? We have a personal responsibility that, to the way that we walk our lives out, to how we choose uh, to walk out our faith in Christ. But with that comes a mutual accountability, doesn't it? Much like you saw Paul deal with, uh, or Paul deal with Peter. That was an accountability, wasn't it? He was doing it out of love and he called him out. And he said, no, you can't, this is wrong. And so again, I just want to encourage us today that we can continue to walk things out and to walk out our time here in unity. We are not to, to be concerned so much with our activity immediately following something being done wrong to us, but instead we need to folk, be focused on the attitude from which that activity derives. So it's not so much, again, what we do, but it's the motive behind it. In our personal dealings with others who take advantage of us, we have to go beyond our external behavior to our inner person. Again, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I don't, I don't like to look here. <laughs> it's easy to point out the flaws in everyone else, isn't it? But we need to start here. And the good news is, is again, God is greater <laughs> than even ourselves, amen? So today we remember 9-11, and amidst the, the recollection of tragic loss, I hope what we also remember is the way, again, as we came around and came, became united, that that is also what we see here in our church today. I believe many today would do well to be reminded of those charred pages of that Bible that we saw at the beginning of the service here. Fused to a metal beam, <laughs> somehow surviving through the flames, and calling for us not to repay evil for evil. Would you bow your heads? 
Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for every person here within the sound of my voice, both here watching online. Again, Lord, we, we recognize, Lord, our need for you. We recognize that left to ourselves, we can default to, again, just, just being selfish, to, being, to wanting it our way, and even at times to, to seek revenge on someone. God, please continue to work on our hearts. Please continue to draw us closer to you to become more like you. As we look at the life of, of your son, Jesus, as he walked the earth and the love that he showed all the way to the, the point of dying on a cross. And as he hung there, Lord, with his arms outstretched, would given the opportunity for a platform to, to hurl insults while insults were being hurled at him, his response was, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Lord, may we learn to have a love as you do. For God, you love us even in our imperfections. You love us even when we hurl insults at you, even when we deserve, Lord God, punishment. God, you love us and you demonstrated it in the most amazing way possible through your son, Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for every person here. I thank you as we, again, just remember today, Lord, the, the, the tragedy of 9-11. And God, we do pray for our country. God, we thank you that, that you are still active, that you are still moving, and that you still love uh, the people of this country and the people of the world, Lord. God, may our hearts continue to turn towards you. And Lord, may we truly learn uh, to love one another as you have loved us. God, we thank you for this time today and for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand?